Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. But for today and next week, we're going to talk about prayer. We'll have something special for our church anniversary, and then we will get into a book of the Bible after that. So if you want to turn in your Bibles or click or however you do it to the book of Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to start. And while you are getting there, um, we'll start in verse um, 9. Then I'm going to open up with some prayer. But Heavenly Father, it is good. It is so good to be here with your people, to be lifting up the name of Jesus, to be reading the words of Jesus. And so we just thank you for the privilege, Lord, that we could be here gathered in your name and that you're among us. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd guide us, guide me as I talk, guide people in Jesus. Help us to grow in the knowledge of you and to learn in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be talking about prayer, and um, we're, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus um, gives a, this is a very long passage where he's te- teaching and he's giving a lot of truths. Well, in verse 9 is where he really talks about prayer, and this is Jesus talking, and so he does say, pray like this. And so we, we might know this prayer if you've been in any church for any amount of time. But it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, and deliver, but deliver us from evil. And so the, 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 the one verse that I'm going to pull out today and we're going to talk about is this last part, that verse 13. And really the bottom part of 13 where he says, Deliver us from evil. Um, I, we don't always talk about it, but there is, there is evil in this world. And there's evil that each of us face. And, I mean, when Jesus says, let's pray, he didn't say deliver us from evil for no reason. Like, there was a purpose in it, because evil is always at the door. There's always something evil that can can maybe come into our lives, or sometimes even into our hearts. And so this idea of being delivered, being kept from that is what we're going to talk about. But let's go through and let's, let's take a, a little pause. So that's, that's where we're getting this, this concept from. And let's flip back to the book of Genesis chapter 3. And let's just look how evil came into this world. I figure if we're going to talk about evil, let's just see how it started. And so in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3, this is where it all starts. Notice it's only three chapters into the book. We didn't make it too far as a human race, all right? Evil came in pretty quick. Wasn't chapter 4, wasn't chapter 20. We're talking chapter 3, evil enters. Now it says right here, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. 
But God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a light to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin cloths. So let's put verse 1 up on the screen real quick. See, this is how evil entered the world. The enemy, the serpent, he came in. And he tricked, he manipulated, he lied, he, he warped Eve's understanding of God's word. And it's my opinion, and I think the scripture bears witness, but, but I challenge you to go that the enemy, he always comes and he does these two things that he does in chapter 3. One thing he always does when the enemy wants to bring evil into our lives is he always challenges the word of God. Notice, what did he say? The fruit smells good. Fruit tastes good. He starts with this idea of, did God really say that? I have a friend who I've been looking at on some of this, this person's social media, and, and I knew this person as someone who loved the Lord and, and, and walked with the Lord. This person doesn't right now. And I think everybody I've seen, and I've known a lot of people that have, that have been in church with me, that have worshipped, that have served, that have uh, even sometimes even shared God's word in different ways, maybe small groups or maybe even up in front of a church like this, all away, always gets a foothold with this first question the enemy asks us. Did God really say that? The answer was easy. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That should have shut it down. But when we allow ourselves to question God, it's just pride. We think we know better than him. Sometimes we may understand God's word and his reasonings very well. Sometimes we might not understand his reasonings. But it's still his word. The next thing he does in verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 4, but the, he says, you, you're not going to die. And then in verse 5, because she goes, hey, it's going to make us die. He says, no, you're not going to die. Again, you're, you're questioning God's word. You're giving an alternative to God's word. Verse 5, he does something very interesting. And I think he started, and I think he does it in, in our lives. He starts with us questioning God's word. But then he does something so slick. And I want you to understand the enemy is good at this. He's been doing this since Genesis chapter 3. Instead of questioning God's word, he does something else. He says, hey, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. What is he doing here? Adam and Eve were the only two things in creation children, that were made in the image of God. 
They were image bearers. We are, as their children, are image bearers of God. There's something in our nature that, that we desire to bear that image. He takes her desire and he twists it. Rather than being like God by obeying his word and, and doing what he says to do, he gives her this alternative way to be like God. It was a lie. She's already like God. But the devil, the first thing he does is he makes you question God's word. He, he takes your desires and he tries to use them against you. He gives you a different object, an idol for your desires. The desire to be like God is good. We should all desire to be like God, like that is a good thing, but there is a way to go about it. For us today, the way we can become like God is to put our faith in Christ, to have our sins washed away by his blood, to have our hearts changed by the spirit which Jesus sends. And if, if our sins are washed away and our faith is in Christ and his spirit dwells within us, then we can be like God. The desire to be like God is not bad. It's the way to go about it. And so the enemy will often take our desires, yours and mine, that could very well be good, and twist or pervert them. I think the kids are having fun. That's okay. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I need to go see what they're doing. This sounds a little more exciting over there. But to take our desires, to twist them, to warp them, and to make desire thing unholy. For instance, we have physical desires. They're good. The desire to eat is good. You need to eat to live. The desire to be intimate with your, your spouse is good. But he will take those types of desires and twist them to where maybe food is your idol or maybe pleasure is your idol or maybe whatever. And so that's what the enemy does. Now, why am I sharing that with you? Because I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to read, but it's not okay to question God's word. Do you understand that? It's okay to have desires, but those desires must be submitted to God, just like John said. John said in his prayer, I was listening, and I, was, I, said, a, I said a big amen on the inside, but he said, Lord, um, bend our will to yours. You can have a godly, you can have a good desire, but if it's not gone about the right way, the enemy uses it for evil. We all have a desire to be loved, but the enemy can use that for evil, like he's slick and he's sneaky. So that's where the enemy comes in, that's where evil enters the world. Let's flip to the New Testament, and we're, we're going to kind of do a survey of some scriptures and go, go pretty quick over them, and we're just going to see, um, see how the New Testament understanding of the enemy works. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, you see one of the first things Jesus did. Notice this is before Matthew 6. He hasn't even really started teaching yet. Jesus grows up, and there's a period of time where he's just growing, and he's just becoming a man. Then he gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. 
And it is that point that he starts his ministry. We know that because at his baptism, the Spirit of God comes to him. What is the first thing the Spirit of God leads him to? It's into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus is one of his main focuses was to do business with the devil, to defeat the enemy. Notice he didn't take a step away from the presence of God. He followed God's spirit right into the wilderness. Why? Because most of us in here know that at one time we were in the wilderness. We were lost and alone under the control of the enemy. And Jesus came to us. Another interesting thing Jesus says about the enemy is in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. He, um, he describes the parable. He says the seed is the word of God. So in the parable, you guys may know it, man plants seeds in different areas, and there's different um, results of the seed. But the verse two of, of sorry, verse 12 of chapter 8, it says the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, please. And it says the ones along the path, so that's one of the areas where the seed was sowed, they heard the word, but the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts so that they don't believe. Has God said? It's the same thing that happened in Genesis. There's a certain number of people that the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts. The only way into your heart is by deceiving it. Did God really say that? And we know that's true. There's people that we know have heard God's word, that have heard his truth, but they don't receive it, and they allow the enemy to steal it or to attack it and take it from their hearts. Peter is giving a speech in the book of Acts chapter 10, and he's talking about the works of Jesus. And he's defending. He's making a defense. And he says, you yourselves know what happened in, throughout all Judea. And that's the area where Jesus is. A big speech. We're not going to from Galilee after the baptism of John. So Peter's about to give a big speech. We're not going to read the whole thing where he's, he's talking about Jesus' purpose and giving us an overview. And in verse 38, he says something very interesting. Verse 38, please with the Holy Spirit, I just said that, and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter is giving us a little bit of an understanding, and I, I know that we're not doing a big talk on the devil and a big talk on demons, but you have to understand that we live in a time and a place where the enemy wants to oppress people. And he's been doing it since Genesis chapter 3. His desire is for you to be under his hand. Why? Because if you're not under his hand, you're under God's hand. He hates God. He can't hurt God, but he can oppress you. But what did Jesus do? He attacked. He had the spirit of God. He had the power. He went about. He did good. And he brought healing. 
Notice it says there's healing. The enemy's oppression, it, it disables us. It, it deforms us. It, it t- makes us different. Eve, rather than trusting God and obeying him and being like God, was deceived by the did God really say, and oh, we can meet these desires in another way, and now she was warped and she needed healing. We are all like Eve. We've all disbelieved God and tried to meet our desires in ungodly ways. And that's oppression, and we need God's healing. In James chapter 4, James, Jesus' brother, is talking about the enemy. I told you we're doing an overview. And you've got to hear this, because this is part of the answer. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, the enemy wants nothing, wants nothing to do with person. He flees. It doesn't say that he backs up. He's like, oh, let me just kind of slide away. It says he flees. He runs. Like, he turns and he goes. But, But how do we get to that place where instead of the enemy oppressing us, the enemy is fleeing from us? It's submission to God. It's not questioning his word. Again, you can ask questions about God's word all the time and grow in your knowledge and learn. But you can't question or doubt And that submission is allowing your desires to be under his will. And say, oh, well, I desire this, but here's a way that God said I can get that. Submitting to his will. That you resist him, and then he'll flee from you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, that was James... Peter's going to say basically the same thing. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humility and submission, they're parallel. It's the same teaching. It's the teaching that Jesus brought. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. There is safety and humility with God and submission to God and being underneath his mighty hand so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Peter, same teaching, but he adds a little bit in there. It says, at the proper time you'll be exalted. God may raise you up. It might be something that happens in this time, or it might be something that happens in, at the end of all things, but there will be this time when, when those who have humbled themselves are exalted. And the next verse, it says, cast your, all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Again, that's trusting. Did God really say he would meet my needs and give me daily bread? Did God really say he would provide? Yes, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober-minded, have a clear head. Like, be sober-minded about this world. Like, don't be ignorant that you have an enemy And what does he say? He says, be watchful, keep your eyes up, see what is happening in your life and the lives of those people you love around you. And then he says, for your your adversary, your adversary, somebody who is against you, the devil, he prowls around you. Just this prowling, sneaky, lying, slimy dirtbag 
of the devil. He prowls around you like a roaring lion. And what is he doing? It's very plain. Don't be sober-minded. Listen, he's seeking someone to devour. He wants to come in. He wants to make you question God. Did God really say that? Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Is, he, is his blood great enough to forgive that sin? Is, can the Spirit of God really renew and regenerate you? He wants to do that, and he's seeking someone to devour. But if you've humbled yourself, you've put your faith in God's word, and you allow your desires to be submitted to him, because the enemy would love to take your desires and use them to draw you out and away from the Lord. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul is going to talk about this, a similar concept. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. That's a command. It's not a suggestion, but be strong. We should have strong people. And in the strength of his might, verse 11, please. Put on the whole armor of God. You can go back and read those and study those and, and learn about that. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Like, I don't want to be ignorant the enemy came in Genesis chapter 3. He's still here. He's still got a way and a desire to take you off track. Now, I don't want anybody to be thinking the devil's behind every bush. But also, don't be ignorant. Don't think there's not a scheme set for you this year. Don't be surprised when there's a time that you really begin to question God and his word. If that happens, be like, ah, this is his scheme. I need to be strong. I have to take a stand. Don't be surprised if you start to have desires for something that might even be a good thing, but is not the way that God wants that desire to be met. Oh, wait, desire might be good, but that's not how God wants me to do this. Humble yourself. Submit to him. Because there's schemes of the enemy. Paul also says a little bit more in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, if we put that on the screen. It says, I myself, Paul entreat you or I beg you I'm asking you to pay attention by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ I'm not trying to be pushy he's saying but you got to hear this like I'm not trying to be overbearing but pay attention I who am humble when I'm face to face with you but I'm bold towards you when I'm away um, I think what he's saying there that he has kind of this meek presence when he's in person but all of a sudden they were reading his letters and they're like wow this guy's a little harsh um, verse 2 please it says, I beg you when I'm present that I might not have to show boldness with the, such confidence as I count showing against some who suspect us a walk according to the flesh. Um, to, to break that down, he's saying, we're really going to have it out. Though we, or you can get this right. Verse 3, please. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. 
what is he saying? He's saying we're waging war. There is a battle for your mind. And I want you to know that this year. The enemy would like to take you out. But we're getting ahead of the thing. We're talking about the solution. You already know this is going to happen, that there is a war. It's not a fleshly war. Sometimes we worry about all these people that we think are the problem, but, but the people aren't the problem. It's the, the presence of the enemy that's really the problem. Verse 4, please. It says, for the weapons of our warfare. And this is what you got to understand. Like, it's our warfare. You are currently in a war whether you want to be or not. There's no, like, time out. You can't, you can't tell the devil, like, pause, time out, I hurt my ankle. Like, no, you're in it. It's here. He wants to distract you. He wants to make you doubt. It's going to happen. Like, you are in war, but it says your weapons are not fleshly weapons, but they're divine, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. What kind of strongholds is he talking about? He's talking about those strongholds in your mind where you are doubting God. His word is powerful enough to fix that. Those strongholds that you might have because you are trying to meet your desires in ungodly ways. They're up. But Jesus is mighty. He is powerful. Let's put verse 5 up on the screen, please. It says, we destroy arguments. Has God said? Oh, if you do this, well then you can get this that you really want? The arguments of the enemy. The enemy came in through some arguments. The enemy still works through arguments. And every lofty opinion, if we have an opinion that God got it wrong, that's pride, because he didn't. Every lofty opinion that raises itself, that you have these weapons and that you're in a war, and then all of a sudden he makes this whole long thing about these arguments, these opinions, taking thoughts captive to Christ. And I just want to want you guys to know that this is where the war happens. This is where the war happens. And it's going on whether you like it or not. Verse 6, please. It says, being ready to punish... Every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Um, I believe what he's saying there is that there is a time when Christ will come to punish disobedience, but, but now is a time for us to, to find obedience, to repent, to turn to him. John, the Apostle John, so we've looked at what James have said, we looked at um, what Jesus has said, we looked at what Paul has said, we looked at what Peter has said. Revelations chapter 12, verse 12 Here's something that John says. Now, he's in the middle of a big vision, but I, but, I, but, I, but I think this part is true. It says, Rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you. If things that are uh, passed on, you live in the sea, you got to deal with this. Our loved ones that are uh, passed on and that are with the Lord right now, they're not fighting the enemy. It's us here you and me. It says, 
For the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows Jesus is going to put a stop to this. He will come back and take that serpent by the neck and crush his head. And he'll throw him into the lake of fire and he'll stay there forever. But that's not now. Right now there's a war. Right now he's coming against you and he's got these plans and I'm, and I'm not trying to scare you, I'm trying to make you aware. If you leave here scared of the enemy, you didn't hear anything I said. Because not only have I warned you about his plans and I told you about how he likes to manipulate you, but I've told you the answer. Submit to God. Humble yourself. Cast your cares on him. You've been given mighty weapons, divine weapons, to tear down these arguments. And so if you start to question God, be like, ha ha, not today, devil. You start to have your desires and start to try to want to meet them in unholy ways. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not today. Not today. We're going to close right now. Would you bow your heads with me for a second? Would you, would you reflect? And maybe, maybe you can say, you know what? I, I, I've, been, I've been deceived. I've been questioning God lately. Not asking questions. Asking questions is fine. But you've been doubting God's word, doubting Christ, doubting the cross, doubting his love, doubting, doubting his mercy, doubting hope. Maybe you've been just following your desires instead of following Jesus. You've been serving your own heart rather than seeking his heart. Maybe. I don't know. But if there's anyone in here that you're, you've been questioning God, questioning his faithfulness, would you just humble yourself for a second? Put your hand up and say, you know what, that is me. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. If there's anybody in here that you've been submitting to your desires, but you haven't been living for him, you've been living for yourself, would you humble yourself right now? Just put your hand up and say, hey, that's me. I've been living for myself. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, church. If you raise your hand for one of those things, I want you to begin to, to ask God, say, God, help me to trust you. God, help my unbelief. There was a man that came to Jesus and Jesus said, if you believe, it's possible. The guy said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe some of you need to pray that prayer right now. Say, God, help my unbelief. If you've been living wrong, serving yourself instead of God, maybe you need to say, God, forgive me. I, I submit to you. 
I will stop that. I will put that away. I will repent and turn from whatever it is. As the music plays, I challenge you, church. Pray to your God. Seek your God. Invite Jesus to work in your heart. Humble yourself. Resist the enemy, and he will flee. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you hear us. Thank you, God, that you're merciful. Thank you, God, that you can help our unbelief hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that you defeated the enemy on the cross, that you gave us mighty weapons to tear down these lies and these arguments. And thank you, Lord, the enemy is defeated, and we can be safe under your mighty hand in submission to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>